Hi there, I'm Dr. Mora. Welcome to a new episode, a new week, and a new month with The Coaching Hive. If you are new, welcome. And if you have been listening since the beginning or somewhere in between, thank you, my friend. It is always a pleasure to have you here with me. The Coaching Hive podcast is entering an exciting time. This is our sixth month in existence, and it feels like a lovely and big milestone. Back in January, when I sat down to talk with my husband about starting a podcast, we were excited and not a little unsure about where it would take us. I'll be honest, I had listened to a handful of podcasts before I even started. We had no idea what this would bring, but stayed committed to the podcast and sharing the Coaching Hive message each week really anchored us and our mission for helping everyone to have access to health coaches. And we guided you, hopefully, health coaches. We are being more intentional in celebrating each win and success. So I hope that you will sit back and join me in celebration. We now have a steady following and I appreciate you. If you have gotten anything out of the previous episodes, I invite you to leave a review on your favorite podcast provider so that we can reach even more people in the coming months. Okay. Now that you've indulged me just a little bit in some celebration and looking back, it's probably time to get to our main topic for today. For the past 22 episodes, we have talked about mindset, we've talked about efficiency, we've talked about focus, mindfulness, motivation, change, and so much more. This month, I thought we would go back to the basics of our coaching toolbox and talk about communication skills. Not only do communication skills play a big role in our coaching conversations, they are also an integral part of our coaching business. So if you are ready to dig into communication, I invite you to grab a drink, a notepad, a pen, and play this family-friendly podcast through your speakers. Okay, so you've committed to listening to this podcast, so why don't we just jump right on in? Often you are faced with asking the right question of a client, a fellow coach, a mentor, an employee, or even someone in your family. And you can feel frustrated that they misunderstand the question. Maybe you feel nervous about asking the right thing in the right way, or even knowing what to ask to elicit the information that you're seeking. So in this episode, I am going to share just a few ways to minimize these concerns and maximize your ability to create quite a question, one without these challenges. Crafting powerful questions can be challenging because of so many different factors. One of the big challenges is that we all communicate in a slightly different way. We all have our favorite word patterns, our shortcuts, or the favorite terms that we use. This means that your question has the possibility of being confusing or completely misinterpreted even if it's clear as day in your mind. Add on to that, that most English words are either positively or negatively charged. One study by by Garcia, Garas, and Schweitzer notes that while we tend to use more positive words, which is great, negative words have more informational value to them. So as coaches, when we're using our positive language, we may actually have to use more words to explain our point or to craft our questions intentionally. 
Another challenge in crafting a quality question is that your experience with the language matters. If, for instance, you are asking a question in English and English is your second language, then you may craft a question or interpret a question differently from someone for whom English is their first language. And if you have ever sat through an English grammar class, you know that the English language is highly nuanced and complex. There's nothing simple about it. When we add in familiarity as a component of question creation, it is even more nuanced and complex in nature. As you're listening, you can probably even think about a question that you asked that elicited the listener's head tilt of confusion. You know what I'm talking about when your dog is confused and they kind of tilt their head and they kind of look at you like, huh? That head tilt of confusion. I know I can think of questions I've asked that have elicited that exact response or questions that I've heard and I've kind of been, huh? What do you mean? Maybe you didn't get the actual head tilt, but perhaps you had to repeat your question multiple times or rephrase it. This can be frustrating for you and the recipient of the question. In fact, we get so used to repeating our question that we begin to think it's normal to need to do this, but it doesn't have to be. Despite these kinds of challenges, you can craft a question that garners the results you are hoping to see. And you can ask it just one time. How do I know? Well, Think back to a conversation where you realized you felt the communication was extremely clear. If you can remember a question like that, a conversation like that, it's highly probable that the question asker was creating and asking quality questions. They only asked them once. Felt like that conversation just kept moving forward and flowing. What would happen to your efficiency and your efficacy if you could craft questions that only required you to ask them one time? Well, probably you and your client or conversation partner would be more satisfied. You want to craft what I like to call quite a question. You know that question you hear and you say, well, that's quite a question. It means that the person has to think. It's meaningful. It's interesting. And it will help you both to dig into what is needed to move the conversation forward. Crafting quite a question within the coaching conversation will help you to be more effective and more efficient with the time that you and your client have together. So the first step to crafting quite a question is to stop and be quiet for a moment. It seems counterintuitive, right? We want to ask a question and I just said, Stop and be quiet. But think about the times when you have been your clearest in your communications. You probably stopped and thought before you spoke. In fact, our parents and teachers have been encouraging us since grade school to stop and think before speaking. What happens is it gives your brain time to catch up. You can form an appropriate and meaningful response. And as you are silently contemplating how to phrase your questions, the next step is taking place. Step two is to figure out what is the purpose of the question? Do you want to gain facts? Do you want to create a timeline of events? Do you want to explore feelings, needs, or requests? When you know what the purpose of the question is, you are better able to choose the words that will lead to quite a question. 
For example, if you're exploring a client's feeling about their plan for the week, you might ask a scaling question. On a scale from one to 10, how confident are you about completing your plan this week? Or you could branch out and ask, when you look at the plan in front of you, how do you feel today knowing what's ahead? Maybe you keep it simpler and ask, with your completed plan in front of you, what's your favorite part of the plan? Each of these questions explores something different, but it encourages the client to think about the plan that they've created. And then based on their response, you can gauge if adjustments need to be made. If you were simply asking, is there anything else you want to talk about with your plan? The client's probably going to say no. It's a closed question. It's not quite a question. Doesn't really make the client think, doesn't encourage them to stop and think. Okay, step one, be quiet. Sit in the silence for a moment. Step two, think about the purpose. Step three, craft a question that is direct. You don't want the client to have to wade through any double meanings. Try to figure out what you're really asking or get lost in a compound question that requires more than one answer. Be simple, be direct. For example, if you're meeting with a longtime client, you might want to ask them where they see the coaching partnership going in the next three months. And so you could simply ask, in the next three months of our coaching agreement, what do you want to achieve for your health? That is a much simpler question than saying, Okay, so we have about three months remaining in our coaching agreement, and I've been thinking about what we might want to do, and I bet you have as well. I'm wondering if we could talk about that today. Your client may have gotten lost in that. The intention is good, and the question is embedded within there, but it is not easy to find. One of the benefits of being direct is that the client doesn't have to guess what you are asking. You can make changes quickly if the question isn't working or resonating the way you anticipated. You know exactly where to focus that recraft of the question because you were direct. Okay, step four, keep the language positively focused. Although our brains can process negative words effectively and efficiently when structured in a specific way, negatively worded questions can lead the client or conversation down a rabbit trail that may even move the client backward instead of forward. So if we want to encourage, and I would certainly encourage you to do this, if we want to encourage forward momentum with our clients, we want to shape our questions in a way that remind you of a slide. So think about a slide on a playground. The slant of the slide naturally pulls you forward. It pulls you forward in that forward direction. It takes a lot more effort to go up the slide than to go down the slide. Our questions should naturally and easily guide that client forward. Positive questions have that momentum to them. For example, um, if you are exploring a client's perceived failure on their weekly goal, instead of asking why it didn't work, you could instead ask what changes would make you more successful if you try this goal again? So we're going down the slide. 
So we want that. We want the momentum to keep going and to gain speed, just like you do down a slide. And if you haven't been down a slide in a while, might be time to go have some fun. Okay. So far we have four steps. These are happening fairly simultaneously inside your head until you say it out loud, right? Step one is holding space in the silence for you to think. Step two, step three, step four are all happening in that silence. In step five, the question finally sees the light of day. In step five, you want to make sure as you're asking that you are making eye contact and that your tone of voice matches the question that you're asking. You might have crafted an Emmy award-winning question, but if you fail to look at your client or use the right inflection or tone of voice, the question may be a box office flop. It's similar to putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable, right? We wanna make sure that we are focusing on the right things. We want to make sure that we have that inflection, that tone of voice, that body language leaning slightly forward, um, being open with our clients, making the eye contact, smiling, going at a moderate pace and tone. All of these are signs that you are engaged, that you're confident in the conversation and that you want to know what the client has to say. Because what happens is now you have invited the client to feel the same way, that they're engaged and they're welcome in the conversation. They're part of this. And that that helps them to be open in their response to your question because they know you're going to be open in receiving their response. So five steps, five steps. Although there are many ways to go about crafting quite a question questions, these five steps will help you to refine your personal approach and technique. As a reminder, you're going to stay silent, get clear on the purpose of your question, make sure the question is direct and positive, deliver the question with intentional eye contact and tone of voice. The beauty of refining your approach to crafting quite a question questions is that you can practice in everyday conversations. You don't have to wait for a coaching conversation or that perfect moment that might not come very often. Each and every time that you craft a question, you can do so with these ideas in mind. So even though questions may not come naturally to you, it's easy to get practice in. It's something you can do every day. Hopefully this quick how to craft quite a question guide will help you to continually enhance the questions that you ask in your coaching conversations. Not only will your coaching conversations benefit, but your business conversations and your personal conversations will also benefit. It is always a pleasure to hear how you're taking this kind of information, how you take what you learn in these podcasts and how you're using it. I would love to know how this information influences your coaching business, your process, your conversations, and how you found it helpful to move forward. I'd love to see your thoughts in the reviews on Apple podcasts. I'd love to see you reaching out to me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, send me a DM. I'd love to hear from you. And I hope that you have a week full of quite a question questions 
And as always, thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you back here next week for another episode of the Coaching Mag Podcast. Have a wonderful week.